By the year 2030, visiting a web page or using an app will be as absurd as using a fax machine today. Almost every company in any industry will be demoted to a simple service. The only interface will be conversational and through virtual private assistants that live in your device, your phone, watch, glasses, whatever. When you need something done, you tell your assistant to do it. Machine-to-machine communication will be the number one communication. This text was written by Amr Muhammad, a speaker, executive coach, and serial entrepreneur. David and I really thought that this was an interesting vision of the future. A future where we have our own private assistants on our mobile devices, and those assistants in turn interact with service providers to make sure we have everything we want and need. We asked Amr to come on the show and tell us more about his thoughts on chat interfaces, the future, and how companies can stay ahead in it. My name is Jacob Magnol. With me, David Griffith-Jones. This is Designing the Robot Revolution. Enjoy. Can you just kind of explain this vision a bit more to us beyond that post and how you came to this and kind of give a bit more meat to it? So I had a startup once called uh, Healthy Heroes, um, which was a fitness app. And uh, what, what we did there was basically we, we mixed World of Warcraft with Runkeeper. So, so you signed up with this uh, fitness app, you got your game character, and, and uh, you could only level up by jogging. Uh, so that was the basic idea. And in that app, we, we implemented a chat. Uh, we were one of the few uh, apps in the world who had a chat. And, and they, the, the users, we had around 200,000 users. And today it sounds like nothing, but back then this was something. Uh, and, and people could talk to us directly uh, through the chat. Uh, and they loved it, the users. Uh, and the reason we did that was because we every time we wanted to know what, what is the next feature we want to develop, uh, we sent out emails and no one answered them. You know, so we said let's install a chat and then we will talk to the users directly. So uh, this made me understand, or I, I started having ideas about. I think that in in the future, uh, everyone will just uh, chat with everyone. Uh, and then, uh, you know, extending on that idea, I even realized that even machines will chat with machines. Um, so, uh, and, you know, watching movies like uh, uh, Her, you know, with Jacqueline Phoenix or, or seeing Iron Man with Jarvis and, and, and Star Trek, you know, they had this concept uh, in the 60s even. Uh, that, that, that made me realize that in, in the future, for instance, if, I, if I'm sitting at home in my sofa and I have my virtual assistant in my, in my ear, if I want to change, uh, I want to change insurance company, I just tell my my assistant, you know what? I've heard that my current insurance uh, is trading uh, weapons on the on the stock market with their money, and uh, I don't want that. I want an insurance company that is uh, totally green, uh, that doesn't trade oil or 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 weapons on the stock market, and uh, which has a board that is 50-50 in terms of of gender. Uh, make it happen, you know. Uh, and that this is when you you know have this scenario. Uh, there are my pictures, by the way. They're, that's why they're so ugly. Uh, <laughs> but but this is where you have this scenario where I don't you know what is 
what is important to me is not the brand name. Uh, you know, what is important to people in the future moving forward, because everything else is becoming a commodity. You know, the prices are the same. The, the, the services are the same. Everything is the same. So values become more important. And values is not something I can type into Google, you know. Uh, but with a private assistant, those values uh, will be uh, automatically uh, transmitted uh, when they want to search for services that can execute on your request. Um, and that's what it came from, uh, basically. So why, why hasn't it happened already? Because we had uh, Siri on our iPhones for mm. a long time and Alexa. And like, What's the difference now that you feel confident it will happen by 2030? And why hasn't it happened already? I think the main reason it hasn't happened uh, is because... Uh, you know, to have this kind of service, you need to have it completely private. Uh, and it has to run locally on your phone uh, for several reasons. You know, I don't want, you know, this universal translator, for instance, when I made this post yesterday about that, people were saying, yeah, there are services today that do that. Uh, and I know there are, but what do they do? They transmit your voice, you know, on everything to a server. And then, you know, you don't want your conversations to go outside of your own domain, you know. So I think that's the main reason. Um, and, and the second reason is that, you know, also, I think we need to have some discussions, you know, about what, what does this mean, you know, uh, in general for society. Uh, I mean, when, when we will have these private assistants, at the same time, we have these augmented reality glasses that look like normal glasses that will also become a reality and they can render stuff in real time as I speak. So if, if I want to buy a car, you know, I can just sit in my living room and ask my assistant, I want to buy a car, you know, and it will render cars, different cars on my uh, living room table, you know. That's the positive side. But then if we have, you know, the, the, the other side. What if I ask my assistant to render, you know, uh, child abuse you know what happens then you know stuff like that so i think there are the, the security aspect and the society aspect needs to be taken care of uh before things like this can really you know happen the technical side we will be there in two three years that's not a problem you know uh one one image that popped into my mind when I read your your post and I saw your images was that fraudulent actors in that scenario would have to make chatbots that would have to try and fool mm. other chatbots. Um, Things like this, no one is discussing, uh, especially not on the on the politician side, and. We, you know all these uh, movies you you watch, you know these dystopians where where everything is run by a single company. Uh, you see in in the whole movie there is the same logo everywhere. We are heading towards that, you know, unfortunately, uh, because uh, while while politicians are are throwing dirt at each other, each other in the in the sandbox, the, the the big players outside the sandbox are con taking over more and more of society. Uh, dictating how it should be. Mm. So, so if we ima imagine this, then you know, dip, dip, double tapping on this really as mm. well. But mm. it's a, it's a, it's important that it's private and secure. It's important that it's on device mm. rather than pushing things to the cloud. Yeah, I've seen like articles uh, hypothesizing around what Apple are going to do because they haven't really sort of, as far as I'm aware, made an explicit 
that mm. this is going to happen. There's mm. some open source um, LLM that can be downloaded. I was just looking now onto onto devices. But how? Where are we at in terms of us having LLMs, large language models, yeah. on the device? Have, have you heard anything about that, Amma? Uh, I, I think we are around three years away. Mm-hmm. Uh, something like that uh, in terms of computing power and i will tell you what ha- apple will exactly do uh, i i'll give you my view on what their overall master plan is uh, and i think that uh, they know uh, they know that everyone will be having their own private assistant uh, and apple want to be that default private assistant and play on the security card because that's the the very very strong card no one will trust android to do the same uh, they can say they do but no one will trust it everyone knows apple not even the government can enter their phones uh, that's why they take them to court and stuff they want a backdoor but they're not going to do it and this in turn will make it so that these dystopian futures that you see in movies apple will be that company eventually uh, and I'll I'll tell you exactly how I believe this will play out. So uh, when I lecture a lot, uh, I always talk about uh, uh, with di- with different companies in different industries. And and, and one of the uh, industries I like uh, talking to is the insurance companies. And when you ask them, you know, who is your biggest competitor? Uh, none of them say Apple. Just like 15 years ago, when you asked, uh, you know, banks, who is your biggest competitor? None of them said Apple. And today they're pulling their hair and struggling because every payment is going through Apple Pay. Uh, and why is it going through Apple Pay? Is it because Apple has some master plan and they have nice slides uh, internally? No, it's because you just touch your phone and it's paid. It's that simple. So talking to insurance companies, you know, I always ask them, already today when you buy an Apple product, you get this, you know, do you want Apple Care with it? It's a notification in the settings. And you say, yeah, sure, why not? Eventually, when enough people have connected to this Apple Care, they will start to predict, you know, and also analyzing the sensors from the phone. When is stuff going to break down? And as soon as they do, it will just be a notification. You know what? Your phone is breaking down next week. We've made an appointment for you at the Apple Store. We need your Face ID. Done. And you have Apple Home, which is another concept, which is connecting more and more devices of your home. You know, they started with cameras and alarm systems. Now they have locks, they have on-off switches, they have everything. That will also make it so that, you know, eventually the Apple Home system together with your phone will say, you know what, it looks like your fridge is breaking down next week. We need your face ID and we have someone that will come to you next Thursday between two and four. We've already prepared the lock. The cameras will record. We just need your face ID. Put that, you know, towards... Something breaks down today. Oh shit! I have to Google the phone number, and then I stand. Your phone, your line in the number is 114. Uh, okay. Then I wait for 52 minutes, and then you get another number, and you have to fax that number to another company. You know, which one will win? <laughs> and then you have Apple Car. You know, where the Apple Car OS is taking over more and more of the car. This new version is taking over the whole car. Not only one screen, it's taking over the speedometer, it's taking over the controls of the chair, the, the AC, the radio station, everything. And for me, for example, uh, when I rent a car, you know, the, the number one pain is that I have to figure out, you know, how to set up the whole car every time I get a new car. 
Now I can just plug my phone and everything adjusts to my settings, you know. All these kind of convenient things will make it so that Apple will be, you know, the master player in this future where everyone is running around with assistance. And 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 that's what I think will happen. And I think the first uh, seed of an assistant, real assistant, will be in around three years. It's it's interesting, and I think it's worth being uh, explicit about that because you 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 have two counterpoints here. One mm. is the absolute extreme convenience in that scenario mm. where mm. you actually don't have to be burdened with. Uh, trivial matters such as fixing your fridge or mm. learning how to to steer your car, but you also use the word dystopian future mm. when talking about <laughs> <Yeah>. this, <laughs> and I think it's worth staying in that space just a little bit mm. um, because that has some implications. Uh, how first question that I have is how could a company get to that position? just based on antitrust laws and, and actual mechanisms that we do have, do you think that's a good way to think about it? Or is it too little? Or how how, how do you think about that? I think that uh, the, the problem here is, is uh, no one notices this happening. I mean, for instance, if, if, if Apple would you know go to the eu before they release apple pay and say we want to release apple pay they would immediately say yes because they don't understand the implementation of it you know and and uh, today obviously they would say no because uh, if they if they had any kind of competence they would see immediately that this is so convenient that no one else it's even unfair because no one else can even do it uh, they cannot access, I mean, for many years, I don't know if you can access it now or not, but for many years, you couldn't even access the NFC chip uh, in the phone. Um, so, so, so they do it because they know that politicians don't really understand. You know, The same thing, Apple Care. Apple Care is, is now live in the phones, but no one cares and no one even raises an eyebrow because they don't understand the implications of it. Uh, and just like Apple Pay, Apple Care will sneak into our lives, you know, uh, step by step, and offering more convenience. I don't, I don't think regulations. Uh, what is missing is is leaders with a with a vision of what they would like society to look like. Uh, we don't have that. I mean, if I look at Sweden, uh, because I, I'm from Sweden, uh, we had very strong politicians post World War uh, because they had a vision of what they wanted the Swedish. Uh, homes to look like, how the school system should look like, how the you know the health system should look like. They had clear visions, and they wanted to implement those visions. Today, if you look at leaders, they don't have those kind of visions. Um, the only thing they care about is their salaries, nothing else, and staying in power. But a clear vision of what society should look like. It's very even most companies I talk to today don't even have that. So you, you're, I hear two things that you're saying we're missing from both mm. companies and, and politicians then is, mm. is vision, but then also knowledge, understanding mm. of mm. the technology and what to do with it and what we can do with it. Mm. Um, how can we approach the problem of the technological understanding? Maybe not only in politicians, but mm. I think mm. overall, because mm. I think that's one of the things that 
me and David keep coming back to is, yeah. is it is kind of complex. There's so many layers to this. It's always technological breakthroughs that pushes humanity forward. It's not. It's never something else. You can go way back to the discovery of fire. It changed our metabolism. The invention of the wheel and and agriculture changed how we spread over the planet. The penicillin added five years to our average lifespan within 15 years. It took previously 2,000 years for nature to do that. The penicillin did it in 15 years. So, so it's always technological breakthroughs that pushes us forward. And everyone at the in the room is like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, sounds reasonable. And then I talk about experiences, how it changes everything. I mean, for instance, let's look at Uber. I mean, Uber started by two guys who came out from a conference and they were pissed because they had to wait two and a half hours for a taxi because there were 8,000 others also calling the same number. And one of them asked the, his friend, why can't we see a blue dot on Google Maps so we know where the taxi is? And today it's valued over 100 billion. And it started like that, a blue dot on Google Map. So, so experience and technology is what's pushing us forward. And then I have this famous cover. I have a slide with this famous Nokia cover. Uh, you know, who can take down the cell phone king at, in 2007? You remember that the Forbes cover? Uh, and I, the irony is the iPhone was released in 2007. And then I look around in the room and I ask, who's the CFO? And they point to, to a person sitting in the corner. Yeah, that's the CFO. Okay, great. So where's the head of experience and the CTO? Dead silence in the room. And I ask, why are they not here? I just, you all just agreed that technology and experiences is what's pushing us forward. So why is the CFO here? And then I switched to the Nokia Forbes cover. And I told them, you know, Nokia had one of the best CFOs in the world. Why didn't that person save the company? Dead silence in the room. And I asked, who would have saved the company? Is it the CFO? or the experienced designers. Still dead silence, no one can answer. So even though leaders say that they agree, but in reality, for some reason, if you look at every boardroom of 99% of the companies, the head of experience is not even there. So they don't accept it. You know, it's still the mindset of, of numbers and balancing sheets is more important than creating a product that will drive customers to you so that you even can have something to balance. Sorry if I'm shouting. I get so no, passionate about that. No, it's <laughs> <right>. <laughs> uh, just to, 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 to come back to my original question, would it be that... Because the, the, in all essence, your your answer is, your answer is the cross disciplinary team mm. at different levels is is sort of the solution that you're mm. you're you're hinting at. Would a a chief experience officer for our government would that be one path forward? Yeah, I mean, you need to ask yourself not uh, what you need to ask yourself is as a leader is not you know what should your company do in three years. 
because that you have no control over. What you need to ask yourself, or what I, I always ask myself, that's always that's always why I come up with stuff that people think are innovative. But that's not because I'm so you know, smart or have IQ. It's because every time I want to do something, I ask myself, what will society look like four years from now? How do we travel? It doesn't have to do with my domain. You know, I just want to understand if I wake up in the morning in 2028, what what do I do? You know, what do I press? What do I wear? How do I travel? How do I pay bills? How do I consume entertainment? How do I shop? You know, all these things. And then when I have a clear picture of that, then I try to backtrack. Okay, what does that have to do with my everyday job? And that's the way the mindset you need to have. Not what will you do or what will your product look like in 2027. If you ask that, then you just add, you know, X amount of futures on the same thing every year. And eventually, if the behaviors of society have changed in 2028, then your product becomes obsolete. And how do you get executives, leaders to to follow this process themselves can you help them with this how do you do it yeah i mean uh, one of the things uh, i mean i've been lecturing a lot now that for the past six months uh, and, and i think one of the reasons and i'm working with a lot of executives uh, uh, in projects that we're trying out and so on and one of the things they love with my lectures is that i never speak technology never to to, to any anyone but the developers you know <laughs> Because that's one of the mistakes. You know, I was talking to a CIO uh, uh, last week and he, he was like really pissed. And I said, well, what happened? He said, yeah, I presented this uh, concept for them and they blew me off. And, and then I looked at it and he said, I told him, you know, not even I understand that. I mean, you're talking about Bluetooth and NFT and NFC and random forest. Who gives a shit? I mean, this means nothing. <laughs> You need to explain what is the experience you want your customers to have three years from now. How does that look like? Draw a picture. I always draw a picture or even sometimes create movies to showcase that. And and the CEO will say, that's a great experience. I want that. And then if it's pen and paper or, or, or NFC, you know, that, that's secondary. No one cares about that. Uh, so, so convey experiences and feelings and people will follow. But if you talk about technologies, no one cares. I think that's something that we we should, or I should should take to heart and actually think about more actively because that's in a sense what we're trying to do, but it can be, um, it, it's kind of refreshing to think about it in those clear terms. It mm. is actually about conveying those experiences. I think that's, um, it's what designers should be doing yes, and should be always. For. Yeah. yeah, it's easy to get sucked into other things. Yeah, and even the CIO or the CTO, you know, it doesn't matter if you have a CTO title. You know, when you're in a in a meeting with management, you don't talk about technology. You talk about what kind of experiences do you want to build, and why. And the, the way I always do it is I explain a scenario and experience and then I tie it into the bigger picture and not the bigger picture of the company, the bigger picture of society. You know, we think that these kind of experiences, uh, I can take co-op as an example. So 
one of the things we added to Scan and Pay, uh, and I know I don't know if you know the Scan and Pay app, but we re we basically took the Shop Express gun and made it into an app on your phone, so that you can scan uh, an item and immediately pay in your phone and just go out. You don't have to go somewhere to pick a a gun up or put the gun down, you know, and go stand in a second line to pay and stuff like that. So I, I said, you know, to, to, to the organization, I think that uh, we need to do this scan and pay app where you can pay in your phone and stuff. Um, and then, you know, people were like, yeah, sounds cool and so on. But then I took it to the next level. I said, I believe that in the future, things like health, things like, you know, time, things like money will be more important uh, to people. So doing this kind of infrastructure help us. For instance, one of the features we implemented in ScanaPay is the allergy check. So if you can set, you know, if I'm allergic to nuts, you can set it to warn me if I scan something with nuts, you know, and it ties into the bigger picture of health and society, you know. So, so that's how you need to think, you know, okay, you create feature X, but how does that tie into the behaviors you expect in the future. And I even showed them that I believe that eventually people will have glasses and you can just look at stuff and it will tell you immediately, thumbs up, thumbs down, you know, can I eat this, can I not? And if you have health, you know, app like uh, in, uh, you have in, in the Apple products or Android, you can even tie your scan and pay app to your health data and tell scan and pay, if I haven't done good on my exercise, I don't want to be able to scan chips or candy just block me from it you know so 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 it's important to have those but but once you have those then you can start simple you know by putting together a hack in three weeks like we did with scan and pay go outside and manually give it out to people and say hey try this you know but you need to have the bigger picture because all these things and all these ideas they mean nothing if i cannot attract people who can build it and, and to attract people to build these kind of things, they don't come because you have a nice specification PDF, 200 pages. It's because you have a vision of where you want to go. Uh, so that's important. So I, I want to, um, I'm gonna, two part question that I'm gonna, first of all, ask about if we imagine you, you've gone and painted this vision around conversational interfaces um, really like that. Can imagine that in front of a team of leaders, and then you say they buy into it, they believe it. Mm. I'm going to ask what what's the specifically for conversational AI. If you're an insurance company or if you're an industrial company, what what practically can you do to kind of get ahead or make progress towards that? But before I do that, mm -hmm. I want to kind of play devil's advocate, yeah, and say like I'm a cynical person, and I just don't believe you, and I say. Like I just don't buy into this conversational AI, Emma, because we've had Siri on our phone for ages. Mm. People aren't using it now. It's a big difference for people to be talking out loud. I think people are always going to want to be on typing on their screen. What would you say to someone who who's kind of doubting that? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not that uh, every time I present something, people are like lyrical and oh, it's going to be like that. So, so you have you know people who doesn't believe in it 100%. But I will always say, you know, one thing doesn't exclude the other. 
so uh, it's like when I talk about these health recommendations and stuff, and they say, yeah, I don't want that. It's intrusive. I said, yeah, turn it off then. I mean, it, it, when I say something, I think the reason people believe that it will be the only thing is because I say it with such passion and so on. So people think, is that the only option? No, no, obviously you can have help, but I'm speaking about the new stuff, you know. So, so that's one thing. The th second thing, and it, this happens a lot, and very often it helps me filter down my own enthusiasm, and that's good also. I always ask, uh, I mean, I always ask, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm only guessing here, obviously. This is in the future, and I don't know, but I would love to hear your vision of what you think 2028 would look like. And in the, what that does, you know, is that it, it, it censors my crazy vision with some re realism, and you end up very often with something very, very good. Nice. And then so... Let's. We've had that discussion now with, and we've got the team on board, and they've got a vision of what conversational interfaces could be like in the relatively near future. Mm. What could, and let's use the example of an insurance company. Mm. What, what might an insurance company look to do today? Maybe, it, maybe is it within an innovation team, or could be with their frontline? But where mm. in the business, and what could could they start doing to get well positioned for this? Mm. So I, I think there are two things. One is a very simple one. You you start uh, training your own large language model. So you, you you base it on either you know the the Llama model from from Meta uh, or any other model. I mean I'm I'm sure by the time you release this there will be two new ones. So so uh, the important part is that you 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 start training uh, on your own data. Uh, and you start using it internally as well. You know, uh, very often, you know, when you call the insurance company, they also look stuff up, you know, on a system. But but replace that with a large language model. And eventually you will ask yourself, why can't we just release this model to customers? And they can check these things by themselves, you know. So, so that's the, like the customer service part, you know. And then next level of that large language model is uh, sort of like the code interpreter of, of open AI, the chat GPT. You need to train it on actually being able to connect to your own systems and execute. For instance, change my insurance to, to quarterly invoicing instead of monthly invoicing. Then it has to be able to do that, you know, not just ask for how do I, and then you go to a page to log in somewhere and change it. You say it to the assistant, change my invoice to quarterly done you know uh, so that those are the steps i would take uh, small baby steps nice and then i mean some of the organizations i've worked with the big organizations mm. they are they're being really slow yeah there's maybe people at, within the organization who kind of kind of see similar to what you've said there of what needs to happen and mm. it just it isn't happening and largely I, I suggest it. I see that it's um, the fight becomes about where this should be in the business. Who yeah. owns it? Is it? Mm. How, where do you see some of the challenges in terms of businesses making progress on this? And how can we, as designers, mm. as a focus on that, how can mm. we help push this through to actually make progress, get things going? Mm. 
so, so uh, I think uh, the setup we had at Co-op was a nice setup. So, so I I was the the business unit head for for a completely separate business unit called Coop Digital. You know, reporting to the CEO with my own uh, FTEs with my own budget, uh, pretty large budget. But I had no ego of actually owning the stuff we were doing. That was not in my interest. You know, uh, for instance, uh, assortment. You know, uh, what kind of, how many types of pasta do we need in a store? Uh, previously, before my time, that was done manually. You know, the store manager said we need 11 kinds of pasta. Then I had data science guys, you know, and they said, yeah, you need only four with the same result. Uh, and and those data science people, they were not actually working. They were employed by my organization, uh, uh, you know, officially, but they were working in the assortment, you know, physically they were sitting with the assortment guys uh, and girls and, and working there, you know, and I had no problem with that, you know, creating models for assortments and that's their everyday job. I had, uh, you know, my own experienced designers and stuff, but they were not sitting, you know, they were sitting some with sales and some were sitting with with IT and, and working on the homepage, uh, you know, stuff like that. And I had no problem with that. So one of the things we tried out at Co-op with great success was, you know, if you scan something in scan and pay and, and it, it doesn't work for you, it's not good for you, then you need to, to know an alternative. And which alternative do we show? Uh, obviously, it has to be relevant. So if you said no pork or whatever, then we can't show you an alternative with pork. So, But the second uh, um, requirement is, okay, whoever of the suppliers pays the most is the one we're going to showcase. Uh, and for that, we built a small portal where suppliers could you know, bid on being the number one alternative. And even though that was you know, we developed it, it's our idea, but it wasn't owned by us. I didn't want it in our, you know, I wanted it for sales because it's a sales thing, you know. So even we have to look at ourselves as CDOs uh, or CTOs or whatever. And, you know, even it's easy to hold on to something and say, it's my ego, I created it. Why? The, 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 you're doing it for the greater good of the organization and the company and the brand, not for your own department. Uh, and that's very, very important. And if if, if you were um, talking to a designer who, you know, experienced designer who who's mm. been made an entire career based on interfaces that are mm. on a graphical user interface, mm. and we're now seeing that there's this great opportunity, or you know, other way seen as a threat that mm. whole different interfaces. What would your advice be to a designer who wants to be well placed for these types of new interfaces, how can they place themselves well? I think designers will uh, be more and more important in terms of also trying to convey feelings. So instead of asking yourself, you know, what, what kind of experience do I want the customer to experience? I think we need to lean more towards what kind of feelings do I want to convey? Because as people move towards large language models and chatbots and eventually, you know, private assistants, one of the questions I get is, okay, so if everyone is reduced, 
you know, to a conversation with with their own AI or own assistant, what 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 matter would the brand have? And I think that you know, for instance, I'll give you an example. If I would buy, uh, I would buy a chair. I will tell my assistant I want a chair that is ergonomically correct, and I usually play games eight hours a day. You know, it will just you know figure that out. If I want to buy um, uh, a car, the same thing there. You know, I want uh, uh, this range. I want for five people. Uh, blah blah. If I would buy a shoe, I would never in my life say a shoe. I would say I want a Nike shoe. Same thing with the phone. I would never say anything else than an Apple. Then we have to ask ourselves, especially as designers, what makes me say Nike? It's because I know the brand. I know what they stand for. And if you look at how Nike is, is marketing itself, it never shows a shoe. It always shows an athlete, and it, it pays tribute to that athlete. The same thing with Apple products. It never shows their products. They show you what you can get or what you can be with their products. You can be a, a designer. You can be a filmmaker. You can be a sound editor. You can be a DJ. You can be, But it never shows how many megapixels they have. So I think that designers need to ask themselves more and more, how can we convey feelings? So, and, and, and the fact that I say chair and not a specific chair like this one, that's a failure on this brand. And that will become more important. Of all the different things that you're seeing coming up, what are you most excited about? I know that uh, Apple is trying to make it so that when you call me, some some kind of AI will check if that call that call is important or not. <laughs> I get a tons of calls, you know, and ninety percent of the time they're not important. So that's what I'm most excited about in the near term. Uh, but in the long term, yeah, I, I mean, uh, AR glasses is something I'm really looking forward to. I mean, true AR glasses, like the ones I'm wearing now, normal glasses. That that call answer is actually a step towards the virtual private assistant, yeah. isn't it? Though as well, do it's, it, it you can, maybe that's a way that it starts to come incrementally in, and yeah, definitely. And what are you most worried about? Oh yeah, I'm. Uh, so so uh, let me put it like this: every time humanity comes up with something of great power, like uh, the last one was, you know, the nuclear power. We always hurt ourselves before we realize we need to regulate. And uh, looking through history, I don't see any tendencies of us learning our lessons. So what will most likely happen is that we will create some kind of chaos or, or massive event that will hurt a lot of people. Uh, and then after that, we will realize and sit down together and, and regulate. Unfortunately. Yeah, and what will that <laughs> disaster be? I wonder. It could be any number of different ones. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> I will be uh, scouring your LinkedIn feed, is is the word, uh, for for more insights. And 
how can people get to those insights mm. our listeners yeah i mean they want to know more the easiest way is on linkedin i'm that's only the only social platform i actually use i don't use any of the others so so just hook me up on linkedin follow me there and uh, uh, you'll see even today i posted something about cell phone providers and i got some crazy reactions so it's it's great fun <laughs> great so we'll put a link to that in the in the show notes nice thank you so much for this i found thank it really you. interesting yeah me too and really i hope you can come it. back when uh, i guess maybe 15 weeks it's a bit short yeah. but when when the world has changed yet yeah. again uh, i hope you can come back and, and tell us more about what you think about it i would love to thank, thank you. you very much hammer